Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 31. <laughs> are, are you yaying because we're almost done? Are you yaying because of the subject of Proverbs 31? Oh, then you're going to be disappointed. We're going to finish the book of Proverbs today. For those of you who haven't been here the whole time, uh, we got to chapter 11 and then we jumped to chapter 30. Otherwise, we would be doing this until the Lord returns at the rate that I go. Next week, we will pick up in 1 Kings, and we're going to do something a little odd. We're going to start 1 Kings in the middle of it. We're going to start with the death of Solomon, who was the author of most of the book of Proverbs. So, Proverbs chapter 31, probably one of the most famous infamous chapters in the Bible. Let's try to figure out why. Verse 10 of chapter 31, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with, dignity, with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. <laughs> what do we think of this chapter? What do we think of what I just read? Uh-huh. And um, it, uh, at her funeral, I had this of her also without knowing she had written that into the Bible. And but they at the funeral home printed in Psalms. Uh, it printed um, uh, it, it, it printed Psalms uh, thirty-one, not Proverbs thirty-one. And but that's what it they printed this. Hmm. But they Her mother was exactly like that, and my mother was a lot like my mother. 
Mike had made the observation that his, he has his grandmother's Bible, or your mother's Bible, her, and her mother commented in the margin of the Bible for this chapter that they had read this at her mother's funeral. And uh, they did it at uh, Mike's mother's funeral, except they misprinted the program and said Psalms 31 instead of Proverbs 31. Why do we have trouble with this chapter? Notice the book that uh, we used to actually have a copy of this book. I just got this off the internet. The Proverbs 31 Lady and Other Impossible Dreams. (laughs) Any of you feel that way? (laughs) Somebody's phone going off? (laughs) Why do we have trouble with this chapter? Because a woman like that very seldom gets appreciated. The observation here is that we are told we were supposed to have trouble with this chapter. We're going to work through this, but not in the way you really think we're going to work through it. This is going to be our concluding lesson of the book of Proverbs. And I want us to remember certain things. First off, this chapter was not written to women. Hmm. Well, sort of. We have discussed repeatedly in the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs is the instructions of a father to his son. Son, this is what you need to do in life. Now, it could just as easily, just as easily have been the instructions of a father to a daughter, a mother to a son, a mother to a daughter, a friend to a friend. Just as easily. But what we have is Solomon writing instructions to his son. And this chapter are the instructions to a son. Here is what to look for in a woman. Now, why is that significant? Because as a general rule, there are obviously exceptions to this, but as a general rule, we obtain that which we desire. We work toward obtaining that which we desire. If we desire a false image of female beauty, we will obtain a false image of female beauty. If we are not, we men, are not interested in Proverbs 31 women, the society has difficulty producing Proverbs 31 women. Now, that's a general rule. There are lots of exceptions to that. By God's grace, we can rise above what our society looks for We can rise above that and do what God wants us to do in spite of the draws of society. But it is very hard to do. This chapter is written to men of what they are to look for when looking for a wife. That is the purpose of this chapter. And what is the first 
verse of this that I just read. Not the first verse of the chapter, but verse 10. It is a gift from God. You are not on your own, young men, to go find this woman. God will give them to you. Now, you are to do things to pursue them. And how do you do that? Observation number two. This chapter has caused great consternation among women for years because, A, they feel it is an impossible standard. B, they view it as a club that they are being beat over the head with because they do not obtain it. C, it's only addressed to women, therefore men are off the hook. I would like to dispel all three of those. First off, there is nothing in this chapter that doesn't already exist in chapters 1 to 30 of the book of Proverbs addressed fathers to sons. Look at these verses. She rises up early. She does her work. She works hard. How many verses are there in the book of Proverbs dealing with the importance of diligence and hard work and the danger of sloth, the danger of laziness? All chapter 31 is, is chapters 1 to 30 painted with a female brush. That's all it is. The men are not off the hook. The men are not given an excuse not to do these things. In fact, you could argue that they have 30 verse 30 chapters because shall I say it? They're slow. Is it a club to beat people over the head with? One of my struggles with the entire book of Proverbs, one of the reasons that I taught the book of Proverbs to begin with, is because so often we view any command or instruction as simply an excuse to beat people over the head. And I told you this in lessons 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and finally I stopped. As you read the book of Proverbs, don't think about how it applies to your neighbor. Because that's so easy. Don't think about how I can take this and beat my child or my grandchild or my great-grandchild over the head with it. Now, the truth is, your child, your grandchild, and your great-grandchild need to hear it. They need to know it. But it's not a club. It is not a, ooh, I've got you. Rather, it is instructions from God on how we are to live a holy life. It's like this. We all agree, well, I hope we all agree, that we are not perfect. Anybody want to debate that point? Okay. God is up here, and we're somewhere down here. Any dispute? In the abstract, we all agree with that. But the moment we put it into concrete terms, we get offended that, oh, 
well, now you're meddling. Now you're getting into things that you shouldn't be getting into. I can agree in the abstract that I'm not God, but in actual fact, in our modern society, we do view the autonomous individual as the determiner of right and wrong. And when I give you a concrete example anywhere in the Bible, all of a sudden there's this backing up of, well, that doesn't apply to me. We can agree with the abstract. It's the concrete that gets us in trouble. Proverbs 31 is a very concrete picture of what a woman's life looks like who is living a virtuous life. As such, it is general principles painted in a particular situation. For example, the fact that you, as a woman, do not take pieces of fabric and convert them to marketable goods and sell them has nothing to do with whether or not you are a Proverbs 31 woman. Has nothing to do with it at all. The general principle is the work and diligence, the desire to do something to help the family, and how that works itself out in your particular life may be very different than how it looks for your neighbor. It's like this. If I you know, draw a picture of a virtuous man, and he happens to have a blue shirt on, I am not implying that only people with blue shirts are virtuous. I'm just saying, here's a virtuous person who happens to have a blue shirt. That is the concrete. The principle underneath it, in the case of Proverbs 31, is diligence, wisdom, a desire to do good for the family and for the community. Those are the principles that underlie Proverbs 31, which, by the way, are the principles that underlie Proverbs 1 to chapter 30. Now, the, another mistake that is often made when a young man goes looking for a young woman and, you know, that's, that actually is okay. My wife and I have endless conversations. Endless conversations. It boils, I mean, let's, let's put this in concrete terms. Are you ready for this? I need five guys. Five. I have six daughters. One of them is married. I need five guys. Okay? When young men go looking for young women, which is a good thing, do they look at Proverbs 31 and say, this is what I am looking for right now? And if they do, they're going to be sorely disappointed. We used to joke there was this guy that hung around our house some when I was growing up. And, I mean, he was old enough that he should have been married. Okay? And he viewed my mother 
as the perfect wife. And he wanted a woman just like my mother. I think he told her this. Well, the problem is, is my mother had had 30 years at this time of being a wife. She had had a little practice. You know, my mother jokes about the fact that when she got married, she could cook chocolate cake and Spanish rice. And my dad didn't like either one of them. My, wa- my mother is a fabulous cook. You know, 30 people show up for dinner, there's dinner for 30 people. How it happens, I don't know. Okay? But she wasn't that way the day. No 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 young woman meets this picture. No 50, 51, 60, 61, 70, 70 meets this this is an ideal a picture of what the goal should be this is what a woman should strive for what is proverbs 1 to 30 that's what all of us should strive for read it i hope you have been reading it we've talked about it in painful depth And I read this verse and I go, this one I do pretty good at. This one I do lousy at. This one, we're growing. That's the nature of the game. We grow. We have sin natures. We have problems. We have difficulties in life. But by the grace of God, by the wisdom that God bestows upon us, by the understanding that he gives us through his scripture, we grow and we mature. Now, if 10 years from now, you are no more mature than you are now, then there's an issue. If 10 years from now, you're not perfect, well, welcome to the human race. We are pursuing the things of God, by God's grace that he has bestowed on all of us. Now, let's go back to the passage. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Young man, young man, do you really believe This is instructions, father to a son. I might add, this is actually instructions, mother to father to son. The sayings of King Limmel, an oracle his mother taught him. She is worth far more than rubies. Here, young man, is a pile of all the money you could possibly want. Last week, I took my 10-year-old to the Natural History Museum in D.C. I don't know why, but the one thing she wanted to see was the Hope Diamond. I don't know why. (laughs) The rest of the family was off at the Holocaust Museum, and we thought that was a little inappropriate for a 10-year-old, so I took her to the... She wanted to see the Hope Diamond. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've seen it. They've got the little history of it there. It's a fascinating history. I mean, basically ends up at the, with the French, and when the revolution occurs, it disappears for 20 years. Nobody knows where it is. 
And then a very similar diamond shows up in England. Hmm. Here, all the wealth you could want. And here, young man, is a virtuous wife. Which are you going to go after? We think it's an odd question. But isn't that what we've been seeing through the whole book of Proverbs? Young man, young person, old man, old person. There's the wisdom of God. There's the riches of this world. Pick one. Pick one. Does that mean I can't have both? Solomon had both. But he had both because he pursued that one. And as we will see in next week's lesson, in chapter 11 of 1 Kings, the moment that he started pursuing this as an end in itself, his kingdom fell apart. That's what we're going to see in chapter 11. Young man, pursue wisdom. Pursue a woman of virtue, not Well, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She is doing good for her family at all times. Huh. Proverbs chapter 1 to 30. Young man, are you pursuing wisdom? Are you doing good for the community by pursuing wisdom? Or are you seeking after things that ultimately are of no value? She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then we get into very specific picture of her diligent work to accomplish the doing good. She selects wool and flax. I don't think I'm going to read all this. She considers a field and buy it. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. I do not care. Well, I do a little bit. I don't care what work God has given you to accomplish. God may have made you an engineer. God may have made you an accountant. He may have made you a father to a group of kids he may have made you a let's put in the female all the female he i don't know what it is he gave you to do but you are to do it with diligence idleness is not a good alternative irregardless of what god has given you to accomplish and that's what we see in proverbs 1 through 30. Idleness really is the devil's workshop. I think Ben Franklin said that, or somebody. She sees her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. When it snows, when difficulties come, She is prepared. My dad used to tell the story, and it is just a parable, of the rancher who needed a hand. 
And this guy showed up and said, I want the job. And he said, well, what qualifications do you have? And the guy says, I sleep well on a stormy night. And the farmer said, that's stupid, but go ahead. So he does his work and he does it well. And one night a huge storm comes up. And the owner runs to the worker and says, get up, we've got to go make sure the horses are okay. And he says, they're okay. I told you I sleep well on a stormy night. I have done everything that needs to be done in preparation for the difficult times so that when the difficult times come, I'm not scrambling around. When it snows, she has no fear for her household because they're already clothed. She makes coverings for her bed. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. This verse has been the brunt of many jokes. While you have the virtuous woman working her buns off, her husband is sitting at the gate. (laughs) What a bum. But we have to remember that in the society of the time, the city gate is where the elders of the community set to do business. Business business, political business, family business. You remember Ruth falls in love with Boaz. Boaz falls in love with Ruth. But there's somebody else that has to be dealt with. There's a business arrangement that has to be made. Where does he go? The city gates. There's a fabulous verse back in, is it chapter 1, wherever it is? about the fool sitting at the city gates and has nothing to say. Nothing to say. The wise individuals of the community sit at the city gate and they do the business of the community for the good of the community. I might also add, some people have asked, where is the male version of Proverbs 31? And there are some that speculate that the male version is actually in Job chapter 29. Job chapter 29, starting, I don't know, a few verses into it, and he talks about, when I come to the city gates, the poor rejoice because they know that I'm going to take care of them. I am the eyes to the blind. People list, it is the male version of the sitting at the city gates, and giving wisdom and charity to the community. This actually is a very big deal. What does this tell us? Well, one of the things it tells us is behind every great man, there is, in fact, a great woman. It really does tell us that. She makes linen garments. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Question. How in the world can she speak with wisdom? This is actually an easy question. It comes from God, but it comes from spending time with God. She can speak wisdom. You ready for this? This is really tough. 
She can speak wisdom because she's learned wisdom. Reverential fear. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. She can speak with wisdom because she has spent her life learning wisdom. All the book of Proverbs is about learning to live a wise life. We learn wisdom from God through the scriptures, through the experiences that God puts us in, and as we apply that scripture to those experiences, and we learn and we learn and we make bad decisions, and that teaches us to go back to God to learn more wisdom, to make better decisions, and when we learn that wisdom, we can then share it with those around us. We do not live in a society that values wisdom. I know that's a very broad statement, and I'm. we should. We, as a community of believers, need to learn wisdom. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. One of the greatest controversies that a lot of people have today, (coughs) actually it's not today, it's over, we've had the controversy, is about women working inside the home, outside the home, etc., etc. Okay, this debate has been going on for 50 years. Women have always worked their buns off, okay? Whether it is inside a particular home, outside, or both. They have always worked their buns off. What we see here is a woman whose central focus is the maintenance of her home. But we also see external economic activity in support of that and that's fine that's fine the question is the focus and what is the central part of the individual's life and i might add proverbs 1 to proverbs 30 men or women who make the accumulation of external wealth their prime motive and goal in life are going to have problems does that mean it's wrong to have external wealth no not at all it is the pursuit of that as your sole purpose that produces problems we had that verse that i always like over in chapter 10 where it says that the virtuous woman receives, what is it, respect, honor, and praise, or whatever it is. But the ruthless man gets only money. Most people in our society today, now, many people in our society today, would be perfectly happy with the only money. But from God's perspective, from the perspective of Proverbs 1 to 30, only money is useless it is worthless in the day of judgment yes 
What do you mean by that? Well, you can ask my wife what I told her last night about that, but we won't go there right now. (laughs) She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Go ahead. What does it say? It does. Her children arise and call her blessed. This actually, believe it or not, is a difficult verse. It is a difficult verse for a couple of reasons. What the verse is assuming is that I, I mean, I'll I'll turn it around and put it in a male language, that I have worked my buns off to raise my children well, and I have raised my children well, and I get to a point of my life at my funeral or before my funeral, and they say, Dad, you did a good job. Rah, rah. And you go, good job. But what if I lived my life in pursuit of financial gain? in pursuit of power, in pursuit of foolishness, in pursuit of something else, and I get to my end of my life and I don't receive the blessing from my kids. Well, that's obvious. I didn't do anything to merit the blessing of my kids. The problem is those are the two extremes. One is the obviously bad, and one is the obviously good. And in between, they have all the rest of us real people who struggle to do the best we can, who struggle with the difficulties of life, and sometimes do a good job, and sometimes do a poor job. Sometimes our children themselves who, by the way, if you hadn't noticed, are sinners. Anybody deny that? Anybody deny that your children? No. Our children go their own way, follow after foolishness, and we reach the point and we don't receive the blessing that we would like to obtain. 
And the truth is, it really does hurt. It really, really does hurt. Now, I can tell you the correct spiritual answer to this. You are actually living your life for an audience of one, and that one is God. That is the right answer. And I do believe that. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I read it in a book somewhere and it's supposed to be true. It really is the right answer. God will make the determination. It is God who will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, come on in. And he will do that based on the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the concluding lesson of the book of Proverbs. And I told you in lesson two, the biggest difficulty that I have with the book of Proverbs for somebody that's my age or somebody that's your age. It's easy to sit here talking to a 15-year-old saying, son, this is how you ought to live your life. If you live your life this way, good things will happen. If you live your life this way, bad things will happen. Here I am at 55, and you all are a few years beyond that. And you look back, and sometimes you pursued wisdom, and sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I pursued foolishness, and I knew better. I'm a smart guy. I've been studying the Bible a long time, and I still pursued foolishness. It is easy to reach this point and spend your life in a life of regret for what you did not do. But like Paul, we need to say, putting those things behind us away, throw them down the toilet. And I might add, he was talking about good things too. Not just, he was talking about, put that behind. I turn and press onward. And that's what I get out of the book of Proverbs. Yes, there are times when I pursued foolishness and wisdom should teach me, don't do that again. I cannot live my life of regret for what I did not do. I need to learn from it to pursue the future. And that future may be 30 years, it may be 10 years, it may be tomorrow. We don't know. We live in a world we don't know. But we are called to pursue God in whatever time that he has given us. So we, fathers, we, mothers, may have reached a point where our children do rise up and call us blessed, and we go, thank you, God, for your grace. At my mother's funeral, <laughs> and my mother's still alive, at my mother's funeral, I will rise up and call her blessed. Because she has done these things. But if she hadn't, there's no if I haven't to this day, I need to repent and I need to move on. 
if the sin is not mine, but the sin of my children who prevents them from doing this, then I need to pray for them and pray for God's goodness and recognize that it is God, not my children, who make the ultimate judgment. God, not my children. Our society is brainwashing us and it is brainwashing our children of what is owed one to another. I have a friend at work and he married a a woman. He got married much later in life. And she totally resented that her father never provided her with all the good things in life. Well, her father worked every day as a manual laborer, worked hard, did well, put food on the table, a roof over their head, and did a good job. But, you know, society says, I've got to do this, this, this. I don't know. Go ahead. Very good. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And if you memorize nothing else, nothing else from the book of Proverbs, memorize verse 30, and if you're a man, put in man instead of woman. I don't care. Memorize it. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Our society plasters charm and beauty on every billboard, in every magazine that this world has ever published. And my wife sees that magazine and she feels belittled. All of that is going to pass away. I always remember when I was growing up at Sagamore, on Mother's Day, they always gave a flower to the oldest mother in the congregation. I don't know how they got away with that, but they did. (laughs) And the same woman won it every year. And you probably remember her name. I don't remember her name. And she was a godly old woman. <laughs> I don't have any other way of putting it. And I always, I mean, this is me as a 
teenager. I always wanted to put her up there and say, young women, young women of this church, someday you are going to look like that. The question is not, are you going to look like that? The question is, are you going to be godly like that? Everything of this world wears out, breaks down, falls off. You know the story. We do the prayer request every week. You know the story. Everything material is going to decay. But the woman who fears the Lord, the man who fears the Lord, will receive the praise of God. The lesson of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. To the extent that we pursue the things of this world apart from God, every bit of it's going to go away. But the woman, the man who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward that she has earned and let her works bring praise at the city gate. Her husband may be loafing sitting at the the city gate. But the person receiving the praise at the city gate is the virtuous woman. Our society needs men and women of virtue, wisdom, strength, and integrity. We don't need another billionaire. And there's nothing wrong with being a billionaire. What we need are people who are pursuing God above all else. Solomon, when he received the kingdom, asked God for wisdom above all else. And God gave it to him. And since he didn't ask for everything else, God gave that to him too. But at some point, Solomon took his eyes off the wisdom and put it on the stuff. And the kingdom never recovered. And that is the start of next week's lesson. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom that you have shown to us. I pray, Lord, that we would spend our lives pursuing you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.